together with others, encouraging one another, have some fun, hear from God's Word. So this morning, we're going to be over in Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, turn over there or open your electronic device. You can take notes on the back of your bulletin. And we'll be following along with a passage in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Author Max Locato was a missionary down in Brazil. He eventually became pastor and an author. He tells the story of how he was in Brazil and he was having a bad day. His car broke down in downtown Rio de Janeiro. He and his wife were arguing about where they're going to go to his parents' place for Christmas, her parents' place. Eventually he got the car fixed and he says that he headed out through the slums of Rio de Janeiro and came to a stop sign. And in the two-thirds world, a lot of times you'll stop at a stop sign in some of the poor places. And I've had this happen. And you'll have kids come up and knock on your window. And they'll kind of hold out their hands. And, you know, it's always a dilemma and you feel bad about what do you do? How do you handle this? And so... He got in a conversation with this young man, and he said, you know, he looked at him, and his hair was matted, and he was so dirty, he couldn't even hardly tell what kind of clothes he was wearing. And he asked the young man, have you received any money yet today? The young man said, no, he hadn't. And so Max Locato gave him about the equivalent of a dollar. And then in the book, in the quote that I read, then he addresses us, and this was really a word uh, that's helpful to me, and I hope it's helpful to, do, to you in our times of frustration and discontentment, Max writes, frustrated, I'm sure this orphan would gladly take one of your families if you're too busy to appreciate them. And cars? Yes, they are a hassle, aren't they? You should try this boy's mode of transportation, bare feet. Your complaints are not over the lack of necessities, but the abundance of benefits. You bellyache over the frills, not the basics, over benefits, not essentials. The source of your problems is your blessings. And so I've thought about this myself down through the years as I've traveled to various places and had some of the same kinds of experiences. And I'll just really start off with an application this morning. And that is that as I've applied it to my own life, I've brought this perspective back. And I used to call it the Mexico test when that was about the only place that we were doing missions at the time. And now, like I say, I've had experiences in Africa and Asia as well. And I've thought about the fact, as I put myself in the place of someone in those societies, and I thought, you know, what would life be like if I'm in Liberia, standing there, selling a bag of water? I mean, that often happens. I saw that in Liberia, and people come up and get a bag of water. I thought about if I was in India, and the persecution, I was just talking with someone after the service about the persecution that takes place where I've interacted with different pastors and leaders who've been beaten and jailed and all of them have been verbally kind of attacked in various kinds of ways. I thought, what would life be like living under that kind of persecution? And I've thought about being in Africa where the meals oftentimes are some beans and some chapati and just a very simple meal and just trying to apply that in my own life. And it's one of the ways that is helpful, I think, when we're struggling with the issue of discontentment. And we do struggle with it. We're in this series in Philippians, and we're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be learning this morning, learning about joyful contentment. And Philippians 4 brings this up. We're not going to look at 
all the verses in the chapter. We won't have time for that. But we're going to look at the context. We're going to use the whole chapter as the context for this study on the three verses. We're going to look at the whole book of Philippians and do a little bit of review from that as, as well. And the question is, how do we learn joyful contentment? Well, we begin by learning that this contentment and this joy is found in the Lord's provision in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you, indeed you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, you remember in our study of Philippians that the Apostle Paul had arrived in Philippi about 10 years before this letter to, Philippi, to the Philippians was written. And when he arrived there, he began to interact with this woman down near the river. And she came to know Christ, this businesswoman, a dealer in purple dyes and in materials. And she came to know Christ. And then there was a slave girl that came to know Christ. And then Paul and Silas were thrust into this prison. And suddenly God brought this earthquake. They were released from the prison. And the jailer, you remember the jailer, was so anxious about this that he was going to take his life. But the Apostle Paul said, stop, stop, we're all here. And he shared the good news of Jesus, the gospel, with him and his, with his family. And they all came to know Christ and trust in Christ as Savior. And that became the nucleus for a church that was started there in Philippi. Well, then the persecution, the pressure came again, and the Apostle Paul moved on to Thessalonica. And so if you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, he says that when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again than when I was in need. And so you follow the story in Acts 16, Acts 17, Acts 18, and you find the Philippians, were, they were concerned for him. They had a love relationship with him. They wanted to express that concern to him. So they sent him help. But then over the years, you follow in the book of Acts, the journeys of the Apostle Paul. And he went on to Berea and Athens and Corinth. And somehow then, eventually, they, they lost touch with him. It wasn't like they could pick up a cell phone, right? And say, hey, Paul, how's it going today? They couldn't sit down at their computers and type out an email. Couldn't text. And so, over the course of time, they were still concerned. I imagine that at their worship settings, they were praying for him, and they knew that he was going places to plant churches. They knew he had the skill of being able to make tents and provide at least some of his support, but they were concerned for him as he was getting older. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know what was going on. They were praying for him, becoming concerned. And then they find out, He's in jail. He's incarcerated. He's attached to the Roman guard. And there he's by himself. There he's suffering. And they renewed their concern for him. And they brought support. They brought encouragement. They brought financial gifts to him to help him. And so that God could continue to Utilize him. He returns this letter. He takes this and writes this letter inspired by God. Writes this letter back to the Philippians saying, Thank you for what you did as we work as partners together. What great joy this brings to me. What joy it brings to God. What joy it brings to us together. And I thank you for that. And that's why we have the book of Philippians. Now I want you to notice in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4. 
He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then here in verse 10, he talks about our joy in the Lord. So where is our joy? Where is our contentment rooted? It's in the Lord. We have problems. We struggle. We have times where we struggle to be content. And this passage and others throughout Philippians, throughout the Bible, tell us let's return again and again and again and find our joy where it's rooted. What is, what is contentment? Verses 11 and 12. As we go on in the passage, tell us that contentment is learn trust. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So he's saying, on the one hand, I have needs. But on the other hand, I don't have needs. What's that all about? What he's saying is that there is this struggle, and we feel this, don't we? We recognize there is these tensions within us trying to figure out, is this a need? Is this not a need? What am I going through here? What's really going on in my life? The word contented means taking our emotions and putting our emotions in God's hands. Doesn't mean setting aside our emotions, denying. Doesn't mean denying that we struggle or have emotions, whether it's anger, whether it's anxiety, whether it's discontent. It means recognize these things that are going on within us. And some of us express those emotions outwardly and we're very verbal and maybe we talk a lot about what's going on in our lives. Some of us are more internal and we take those emotions and we work that out in our hearts and in our minds, but we all have emotions that affect us. And so the question is, what are we going to do with those emotions? And contentment is taking those emotions and putting them in God's hands because we know we can trust him. Doesn't mean going off and just denying our emotions or trying to create an alternative reality. It means taking that angst, the depression that we might have, the struggle we might have, saying, God, I don't know what's going on. God, I'm struggling with this, but I'm putting this in your hands, I'm trusting you. Now, it doesn't happen just like this. He says he learned to be content. It's something that was a process. It wasn't a product of his temperament. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, you know, she's just so laid back. There isn't anything that bothers her. And we think, well, it's just, just because she or he, you know, they're, they're just like that. You know, he says we learn contentment. It's a process that we go through. Learn through experience. Whatever the circumstances, absolutely and categorically, whatever he says we're going through, we find that peace, that contentment in him. So often we can get in the mode where we're just thinking, well, next week, next year, when I become in this new situation, then I'll be content. And maybe you can identify with this poem. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors, it was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air, it was fall, but it was winter I wanted. 
the beautiful snow, and the joy of the holiday season. It was now winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 40 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. Then my life was over, but I never got what I wanted. What do you need or think you need to be content? We go through struggle at times. Even the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he had a thorn in the flesh. You remember that in 2 Corinthians 12? And he said he pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn away. So there is a struggle, and we need to admit that. He had to learn it, and I do too, and we do too. So why is it so hard? Because we have a sinful nature, and... We struggle with that sinful nature, and one of the results of the sinful nature is that tendency to be discontent. And so over in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What I do is not what I want to do. And he talks about this fact that we struggle with the sinful nature. Secondly, our culture. Our culture trains us to be discontent. The effort is on, you got to get your needs met, got to get your needs met. If you're not getting your needs met, then you don't have a fulfilling life. And our culture constantly gives us the same refrain. Advertising is designed to make us discontent, right? Whether it's a Facebook ad, whether it's a television commercial, the whole point of a commercial is to make us think that we need whatever is being advertised, right? That's the point of it. So sometimes I have a pair of shoes that pops up on Facebook, and I begin to think, I need to have those shoes. I don't really need those shoes, but that's what happens. You see something, looks different, it looks like something that you think would be good, and I buy the shoes. My kids tell me those are stupid shoes when I buy them. Uh, but, uh, but I thought I needed them, and uh, then I got them, and after that, I'm sunk. And so that's the process that goes on for all of us all the time, struggling with these things. We, we've developed as a culture to the point where need is one of the most revered values of our culture. What is contentment? It's trusting God, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation. He says, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, every, in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The Apostle Paul at one time was a revered rabbi, a man of plenty, Coming to Christ, he gave much of that up, and he tells about the kinds of struggles that he has. Over in summary, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about, in 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about the suffering he experienced. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. 
I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food, been cold and naked. And as he writes this letter to the Philippians, he's there isolated. He's there in a situation which is certainly dirty and unhygienic and difficult and painful. And he says, I'm content. What? How can you be content, Paul? And he says, I've learned the secret of being content. Secret? Why is it a secret? What's the secret? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's difficult to say. He means that it's difficult to do. It's a secret from that standpoint. That it's hard for us to really take the step that we know we need to take and put things in God's hands and trust Him in the way that we should. Joyful contentment is found in relationship with Jesus. That's what he says in verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The Christian life is not a self-sufficient life. It's a Christ-sufficient life. I'm sufficient in Christ. I'm content in Christ. I find joyful contentment in Christ. Philippians 4.13 is a very popular verse, isn't it? In fact, when I was a teenager, it was one of two verses that I knew. I knew John 3.16, God so loved the world that gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of kids know that. You know, you ask kids what verse they know. They know John 3.16, they'll say, for God so loved the world, he gives one and only son, whoever believes in him, and they'll say it really fast. And then the other one that I knew was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And the reason why I like that one was, you know, I was out for football and I thought, well, this is a verse about getting stronger, tackling harder. And it's good to know Philippians 4.13. That's not really the context of Philippians 4.13. I mean, it, it, it's okay, I think, to um, remember Scripture whether it's athletics or music or when you've got a test that you're working on. But it's really, it's bigger, much bigger than that. And I think um, when we're involved in athletics and use it in that way, if we know that it's a, a bigger kind of verse that applies to all of our life, I think that's okay. But it's not just this small little verse just to help me run faster be stronger. It's much more than that. It's talking about all of life and trusting in Christ, trusting in Jesus. The secret of my contentment is trusting in Jesus moment by moment by moment by moment by moment on a daily basis. Calling upon the Spirit of God to fill me on a daily basis, whatever situation that I'm in. Bless you. And so, John 15. Remember John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, whoever 
is in me, and I in him. He'll bear much fruit. And so here's the secret. Here's the secret of contentment. Here's the secret of life is trusting in him and being a part of the life sustenance that we have in Christ. Being the branch that's attached to the vine and having the resources we find in Christ that come from him. This is the secret for all of life, whatever situation we're going through. Like a tree that sends its roots down deep into the ground, bringing that sustenance out so that there's fruit in our lives. That, that's the analogy that's given here. Contentment comes, in verse 19 says, through personal faith that I need meeting God. My God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so the original context, remember, was that these folks in Philippi in this church had helped the Apostle Paul financially and has sustained the ministry that he had. And now he's saying, likewise, God is fully able out of his glorious riches to meet your needs because that's who he is. He is my God, the Apostle Paul said, not because he has the corner on truth or on God. He's saying we have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, one that's available to all of us and an invitation to all of us to call upon God in a personal way. You know God in that personal way? Or is it just a religion? Is Christianity a personal relationship with Jesus or just going to church, just a religion? The invitation of God's word is to enter into personal relationship with Jesus. We all have needs. It's okay. It's all right. Say, I got this financial need. got this employment need. I got this situation in my life that's just driving me crazy. And then call upon God in our time of need. That's a part of what we do all throughout Psalms over and over again. We find people crying out to God in need. But the promise here is that my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He has glorious riches. If a billionaire were to walk into our congregation and put $10 in the offering plate, let's see, he's not even going to miss that. He's not giving according to his riches, but God gives according to his riches. And he owns all the oil in the Middle East and under the tundra of Canada, all the cattle on thousands and millions of hills. My God will supply according to his riches. We have needs, whether those are physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, material needs. And God is the one as we focus on him, as we put ourselves in his hands, he says, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we sometimes think that God's reluctant or that 
He doesn't want to meet those needs. But it says God's love is extravagant. His glory is beyond all glory. So will you come to him this morning? Whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstances you have, the Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in all situations. Does that apply to your situation? Well, I think so. It's God's word. And the question that we each have to ask ourselves is, am I learning anything? Am I learning or not? Am I growing and learning to be content in this situation? I mean, whatever situation is kind of generic. But does whatever situation, does it cover your situation, your life? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Are we learning to be content? Or is there within our hearts that pride that says, well, that doesn't really apply to my situation? Really? Doesn't apply to your situation? How great is God? Is his glory great? Is his supply great or not? He gives according to his unlimited glory and riches, and we can trust in him. So let's do that at this time. Let's take whatever's going on in your life. I invite you to take and just say to God, God, give this to you. I trust in you. I find my contentment. I find my joy in you and you alone. Lord God, we come to you all kinds of situations that we go through of all kinds, and your promise is that you will meet us, that you will minister to us, that you will give us peace in the midst of the storm. And so we come to you recognizing that you are greater, that you are bigger than whatever situation we find ourselves in on this day. And we, I just pray for my friends here, my brothers and sisters and friends, that they might know that peace which passes all understanding, that they might know that joyful contentment and be learning and growing in it. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will stand and join us, um, we'll close with one more song. We're going to repeat the, the Yes, I Will song that we sang at the beginning of service. Um, yeah, just ask that as you learn the song, really kind of meditate on the lyrics and I mean the first line says I can count on one thing same God that never fails um, maybe it could just be an encouragement to find your contentment in him so let's sing our last song together count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now The same God who's never late is working all things out, working all things out.